Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, where we discuss how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, coming at you live from Holly Hill, Church of Christ. And tonight we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the first trait of love. And I'm honored to have my good friend here, Adam Richardson. And uh, we're going to be talking about this tonight, and I hope you'll be involved in that. But uh, we'll go ahead and get started. And Adam, how are you doing? I am doing fantastically i'm i'm excited to be sitting in a virtual living room with my good friend jonathan germany because we haven't had a chance to to do something like this in a while so this has brightened my day it's been it's been great and uh and and i'm i'm glad that you're here you know i i miss being able to be down the road from you but at the same time uh, i'm very happy where i am for those who who are watching and uh, we're, we're glad to, to be able to still do this virtually. It, it's amazing that just a few years ago, this was, this was possible, but it was clunky. And yeah. even beyond that, this wasn't as seamless as it can be today. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm excited to do this. But as, as we discuss the fruit of the Spirit, and for those who watched uh, the three-minute kind of Thursday 3, the promo for this, uh, I kind of wonder... Do we really understand what love really is? You know, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit and we say, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, and we sing the song, you know, love is kind of a, a word that we we kind of overuse. You know, when I think of ways we use the word love, you know, I love milkshakes and I also love my wife. And and if those two things are comparable that right. are, are the problem. same level, we, we have a serious problem. Now, there are times <laughs> my wife may say, well, well, I know how much you love milkshakes. And uh, that's another story for, for another time. That could be high praise. It, it, it could be, yeah. And uh, she could be questioning something, you know. And But right. the, the, I, I guess the question is, do we overuse the word love? Yeah, is, is, I mean, or is, Are there different loves, or different levels, I guess? Is that is that kind of just our vernacular, kind of just – the way things are, or have we kind of taken advantage or maybe take it for granted? Well, I mean, you know, we, I think we kind of live in this time right now. Vocabulary has become very blase and, and it, you know, we're very sarcastic and I'm thinking about, you know, how we, we say things with hyperbole that we know we don't mean to that extent, you know, all of the, I mean, it's unfortunate. I think we have to be really careful with this, but like the, you know, all the suicide talk that we have nowadays, you know, and, and, and it's just rolling off, you know, the tongue and, 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 and it's hyperbole. It's an exaggeration. You know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I wish I could die. No, we're not to that level, but that's how we express ourselves. And the more sarcastic and the, and the more hyperbole we put into it, you know, the more humorous it is to us. And we do that with love. You know, we, we, I think we've taken that word and we've kind of with our language as a whole, but with, you know, with that type of strong emotion, you know, used it in a, in a way that obviously we don't have the same level of, 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 of interest in, in, in these things as we do in the things that we truly love, but we just use that language all over the place. It's a, do you think it's, it, is it just, the language that we like to is, is it strictly this exaggerated kind of behavior we've established or do you think it's because we we don't actually understand what it means to love 
you know, you know, we may think, okay, love is a feeling. I feel good about milkshakes. I right, feel good right, about my right. wife. I must love both. Right. And, yeah. You know, that's I, true. And yeah, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote, you know, the book, the four loves, or, you know, he talks about the four loves and, uh, you know, he, whether it's a level or whether it's a, a type and a distinction between affections, you know, um, there's definitely, you know, in our English vocabulary, we don't have very many distinctions. You know, we don't have a language or a vocabulary. Um, and so everything that we like, yeah, we associate that feeling. And that, I think, is one of our big problems because, I mean, if you, you know, we're, we're stymied by that. You know, if we have strong affections for somebody, it's almost impossible in our culture right now. I would even go so far as to say, you know, we we hypersexualize things. You know, it's like if we have a deep and abiding passion for someone or something, well, we automatically take that to mean some kind of physical attraction. And that's not what has to be going on here. But we're so confused because we don't know. I think you're exactly right. We don't know what it means to really have an agape love for, for things or for people, you know, and we're missing out. Yeah. So so when we think about love and we think about what that means and what, what it means to have that as part of good fruit, because we want to be fruitful. We want to be, you know, good stewards. We want to be of our life. We want to be like Christ. You know, if we wear the name Christian, we're saying I'm like Christ. So how did Christ love? And, and, and I can't help. And I mentioned this in the Thursday three video. I can't help but think of when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Mm -hmm. And he gave those two answers, really, by saying, well, the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So as we look at these two tonight, over the next uh, little a few minutes, when it means to love God, if we don't understand what love really is, how, mm. how can we understand how to love God? And, and, uh, and before you get there, I, I heard this, this put it this way, where someone said, you know, God is love. Right. But is love God? And, and, you know, does it go both ways? You know, because God is what, it, you know, God sh is what love is. And sometimes we have to understand that and define love through the lenses of who God really is. And I think that might help our discussion. Yeah, I think it's a good distinction to make because describing the attributes of God, you know, God is love you know he is the perfect embodiment of love but our concept of love does not encapsulate everything that god is you know i think that that's the i think that that's the the way that we look at those two properties is god is the embodiment of all good love and that's love that is disciplinary that's love that is compassionate that's love that is gracious that's love that is sacrificial but it's also love that is jealous you know uh, because God loves us so deeply as his creation, he is jealous over us, and and, and that's why he demands uh, for us to be faithful, you know, to him. I mean, if you talk about God's love, and you look in the Old Testament, there's that marriage relationship, you know, Hosea and Gomer, you know, those kinds of, of passages where, yeah, God loves us and gave us everything and expects faithfulness. You know, God has been faithful to us. We need to be faithful to him. If we don't even know what love is, if we just think it's this up and down emotional, you know, feeling, boy, uh, it's going to be really hard for us to love it. Isn't that what John says, too? You know, I was thinking about that when you were saying it. John even says, 
how can you say you love God who you've never seen if you can't even love your brother? You know, if you hate your brother, if you've got these problems in your human relationships, don't sit around and say you love God because you're missing the point. And, and that's kind of why I think Jesus mentioned those two things. Right. You know, absolutely. They, and they were trying to go, well, well, well who's my neighbor? And I think <laughs> the, the question was, was not who, who, who do I have to love? The question right. was, who do I not have to love? That's exactly. what they were really asking. Who can and, I leave on the outside? Yeah. And he goes, if, if you can't love others, then how in the world can you expect to love God? I mean, because God is love. Right. You know, if you don't, you can't know God. You know, Caleb here said that God's love is so powerful, it's hard to comprehend. And that goes back to what you said about the, the you know, oh my goodness, uh, the Hosea. And uh, where, you know, that you read that and you're going, this is, this is crazy. Man, you know, it's a, a crazy story, but then it's a direct parallel to, to what God wants for us. I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to get you back, even mm -hmm. though our actions don't deserve it, but we're, but we're worth it. And I think those, there has to be a distinction. God said, you're worth it because I placed that value on you. Now your actions, mm -hmm. you don't deserve my forgiveness, but we're worth something. And I think then we're worth and we're valuable because of what he's done for us. I think that's an important point to make about love. You know, that's one of the things C.S. Lewis brings out. If you look into those, you know, those four different Greek letter, you know, Greek words for love. And I know that the, the, the scholarship now talks about how in a lot of ways they're interchangeable, but there are still, you know, four different words, you know, for love. And I think part of the distinctions between them sometimes is sometimes we love something because it does something for us or it gives us something we love. We want, you know, that's that. I love milkshakes. I love milkshakes because they taste good. They do something for me that I like, you know, but, but then there is an inherent, I love something, not because it does something for me, but because of what it is to me, like family, you know, you don't get to pick your family. Uh, but we, we may not always like the people in our family, but then there's that or should be that deep and abiding love for them, not because they bring anything to the table, not because they offer us anything necessarily, but just because of who they are to us, we love them, you know? And so I think we grow through those stages of love and, and, and learn to have an appreciation and a value for something whether or not it does anything for us. And that can be where it gets really tricky to show love to our neighbor who is everybody, even if I don't like everybody. And, and I think that the thing that can help us do that is remembering that we were all made in the image of God. Right. And, and, you know, and, and that gets back to how can you not, how can you say I love God when you don't love this person and they're made in my image? Right, now, they're carrying they're carrying me in them, and 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 that that that's a huge distinction, and and it comes to the point where we have to be willing to to love so deeply, just like God did. And when mm. it comes to loving God, and, and I and I think of of what we typically think, and you know God, you know Jesus was saying, no, if you believe in me and you love me, because you will what, do the things I do, you will obey my commandments. Right. Right. So is is love when it comes to our relationship with God? Is it just primarily a transaction, obedience, love, and we get mm. heaven? Is that kind of right. how we view love with God? Yeah, I think that's that basic love we were just talking about. 
if all you do is love God for what you're going to get out of it, you've missed the point. Yeah. You know, that's not what love is. I mean, let's think about God's love for us. What does God get out of loving us? And the truth of the matter is there's not a whole lot we add to God. You know, it's not like God was sitting around and he's so lonely that he needs us to love him. That's not the way that it works. But his love, um, his love drew him to creation. It wasn't yeah. because he needed to make us in order to complete himself. He's complete. You know, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, they, they're already, they're taken care of. They're good, you know. But his love was a creative love. It was a love that wanted to see beauty and create something that could share that love not because he gains anything by it, but because it is a joy for him to be able to see us benefit from it. And so we have to learn to get past that as well, you know, to learn. I think, you know, we go through those stages in our lives. At first, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to obey the rules because I don't want to be punished in hell. You know, I don't want to have bad things happen to me. So I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Well, that's maybe a good starting point, but we want to go past that, right? We want to get to the point where we say, it's not just that I want to avoid hell. I'm going to be a Christian so that I can get to go and be in heaven. I want to experience the reward, and I want to experience the joy and the, the greatness that's waiting in heaven. And that's great, and that's true. But then I think there's a third you yeah. know, level that yeah. we try to get Absolutely. to, right? It's not just about I'm going to behave so I get rewarded. It's I long to be like God. Yep. God loved me, and this is how God treated me. Transformation. I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to do that as well. And I think, you know, and, I, and when I think about this question, I, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 1. When, when David's mm -hmm. writing here, and he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the counsel, sorry, not in the counsel of the wicked, counsel of the young. Yeah, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is delight. in the law of the Lord. And he meditates mm -hmm. on a day and night. It's not so. It's saying he enjoys it. And, right. You know, when's the last time we were like, you know, I can't wait to do something. Well, when we think about that, what can't you wait to do? Well, leave the house. <laughs> I can't wait to go somewhere without having to avoid people. Right. You know, I want to be able to go and, and just be with people. You know, and you, sometimes you'll see, you know, I was at the grocery store pushing, you know, looking for, you know, soap and cleaning supplies. And this, and but, I went down an aisle that someone else was on and she started casually backing up, trying to like <laughs> not look like she was backing up. Right, it, right. But, you know, that's what we do. And I yep. can't wait for that to be over. But that's not the same desire that I should have for desiring to be with God or desiring mm -hmm. to be like God. And then as we do that and remember that people are made in his image and we are loving him, like you said, we have to love others. Just like John said, if you don't love others, we, we can't know God. So well, what, think about it like? in terms, you know, think about that in terms of just the passage that we're looking at with fruit of the spirit. You know, that's Galatians five. Yeah. And the opening section there, uh, but well, it, it's going to talk about the fruit of the spirit before that. It talks about the works of the flesh. So it's setting up this this dichotomy, right? You can yeah. go one of two ways. How does that section start? You know, in verse um, 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we know that the flesh has its desires and the works yeah. of the flesh are following the desires of the flesh. 
But the same thing, verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So there is a, an aspect of desire that's being, that's being you know, infused into this. God uh, didn't make us robots. You know, he's not just looking for uh, mindless obedience, you know, or obedience for the sake of reward. He's wanting that transformation within us to long for the things of God, you know, um, because, I mean, what is Matt, what does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? You know, don't store up your treasures here on earth, right? <laughs> Not where, you know, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Bible talks an awful lot about our heart and what our heart is doing. And, the, you know, it's not enough just to have knowledge. You know, I think that desire and that longing goes into the, the core of what God's asking us to do. Even in Proverbs, when it says, I'm thinking about heart now, you know, I'm getting off track. But, um, you know, as a man thinks in his what? In his heart, so is he. So that, yeah, there's knowledge there, but if that knowledge doesn't make its way down into our core, into our heart, into what we desire, what we long for, and what we love, there's a whole lot of stuff I know up here, and I still have trouble doing it. Yeah, There's not much stuff down here that I desire that I don't find time to do. Absolutely. And, 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 and I keep using this with, uh, with our teenagers in, in a class that, that I'm doing at a Christian academy. When I talk about knowledge versus desire knowledge versus action and mm-hmm. you know coming to mm-hmm. faith there is no such thing as as a as an i guess a, an actionless faith right that, that there's no such thing faith and without works is there is there is no faith without works and but when it comes to something like you know going back to my milkshake thing i love milkshakes so much you know see there we go i, I desire milkshakes so much i i i, I could eat or drink as many of them in one sitting as, as you lay in front of me. Right. And I also know that if I want to get back in shape, that I shouldn't drink milkshakes. And if I keep drinking milkshakes and I expect to get in shape, what would you call me? And I keep using this every show almost because it seems applicable. You would say you're foolish because you're not acting this, you know, and I know up here what I have to do, but I don't desire it enough. There's, there's no motivation. If I don't desire to love someone, I may know I'm supposed to. Right. But if I can't find the time to view them as the image of God, to view them important enough, then, 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 then that's, that's the thing. I like what Josh mm. said here. He said, I have a hard time longing for the things my wife wants. And what she wants requires much less sacrifice than what God wants. <laughs> good point. That's a very good point. That honeydew list, you know, or, or things in that nature. And it's like, I've got to give up an awful lot. I, you know, I was just, that fits in really well with what I was just thinking about. So does that mean that we don't do something if we're not passionate about it? I don't, I don't feel like going to worship today. So if I don't love it, if I don't long for it, if I don't desire it, then it's just better for me not to go. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's the right attitude. I think sometimes... There is truth to sometimes you have to fake it to make it. You know, I do think there are times when we have to recognize we have a responsibility to do things no matter how we feel about it. But at the same time, our goal is to create that longing, you know, and sometimes our habits have to carry us to that point. And we're going through the motions for a little while. But you know what they say about, you know, smiling. If you're in a bad mood, 
if you smile, it has a, a chemical reaction that changes your mood. You know, you can affect your disposition by doing things that make you look and seem more happy and excited. And then next thing you know, you feel better. Uh, and so it yeah. can have an effect on us. And, and I think that gets back to something that you and I discussed before we got on, which is I have to be willing to, to make sure my preferences never trump my relationship with others. Mm. You know, if, if I say, sure, I, I desire to have a good relationship with you, Adam, but right now my personal preference is something completely different and I know it might offend you and I know it might hurt you but I'm not willing to give up that preference. Right. That's a problem. And, and yeah, I, and that's I think the exact we see, opposite. We see that with churches and, and, and church members, you know, here's my personal preference. And even though I may have every right to do it, mm -hmm. if it's going to offend you, maybe I don't have that right anymore. Now right. We, we can take that too far. Well, I don't like the color red. Okay. Well, we have red carpet. Get over it. You know, we don't have red carpet here, by the way. But, you know, there's some things that obviously we, we can't use. You know, we can't, we could take too far. But if I can do something about it and, right. you know, my preference, you know, we have to maybe be willing to let go of some of those things to help serve others. Uh, like what Colin here said, and Rachel shouted out to us. Hi, Rachel. Um, hey. Yeah. And uh, he, Colin said, love is more than just an idea. Um, of or a feeling of. He goes, love is a sacrificial love. It's an act of mm -hmm. service. And I like what he said, it's an act of service. You know, it requires, you know, service requires you to give up something. If, if, you, if service benefits you in the sense of you're getting something besides maybe that reward of, of just, I guess, of being more like Christ. But if you're mm. serving others to be rewarded, then that's more what I would call networking. That yeah, you're no that's longer, selfish. You're, you're no longer serving. Love is an act of service. Right. He goes, love. He goes, love is loving God, even when we are in a season. I like that. Even when we're in True. a season, you know, like you said, and I, there's plenty, been plenty of things that I've been like, I really don't want to do this. And then mm. about five minutes into it, I'm like, man, you know, this isn't too. I'm bad. glad. I'm I glad knew I'm that I needed to now. do this. You yeah, know, and, absolutely. And and, and, and he goes, Jesus loved us so much that he didn't call all those angels down to to cancel God's right. plan. And, and I can right. remember that, which is which is sometimes why desire needs to be there. But even when it's not, we have to be willing to do what Jesus did and said, you know, not my will, but your will. Our will has to become his will if we want to love God. And sometimes, I'm sorry, you had something. Well, I just, I, I think he understood something, you know, he, according to Hebrews 12, he was looking beyond the cross. You know, he was, yeah. he knew he was making a trade-off, you know, and. However, there's a couple different ways to translate Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 when it talks about the joy that was put before Jesus. But regardless, it's like, okay, you can choose to walk away from this right now for some momentary escapism, or you can look beyond that and despise the shame that's coming. Because obviously he didn't desire the cross, but he desired the result of the cross so much that he was willing to put in that um, that sacrifice, you know, who's willing to do that in my, in the material I use for peer marriage counseling, you know, there's this great quote, uh, that says love is first something that you feel, then it's something that you do. 
And then it's something that you are, you know, love isn't just a, a set of motions. Uh, love isn't just a set of emotions. Love is, uh, should become once we get to its full development, a part, become a part of, of who we are at our core. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I know that a lot of times when we talk about love, we, we always go to the, the love chapter in First Corinthians. First Corinthians and, thirteen. Yeah, we have to go there, and and this. But is it's why good. It is good, and sometimes I, I try to go other places so it's not so overused. But when we're talking about love being not just a feeling, uh, I've challenged uh, our our teenagers to do this, and I said I want you to go read First Corinthians thirteen. And I want you to find me one description that comes naturally. <laughs> and I said, some of you might be, you know, naturally more, I guess, inclined to be patient than others. But I want right. you to find me one of these descriptions that's just a natural instinct of human beings. Right. It's, it's not a feeling. It's something we decide, I'm going to be patient. You know, and I don't think we can say I'm patient until that's been tested. You know, I I love them because I'm always patient with them. Okay, well, that moment when that patient's tested, now you decide whether or not you're going to show love. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, that's the distinction is it's not just like I like what you said. It's something that you feel, something you do, something you become or that you are. You know, at first, it's easy to be patient with your girlfriend because you're sweet, puppy love. And then. As it gets to the end, or I guess the middle, the hard part, then all of a sudden, hold up, that little thing you thought was cute is no longer cute anymore. Now it's annoying. Right. And now you have to decide, am I going to be patient? That's and... the trouble with love. You know, love, and that's where Paul takes it in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Um, you know, now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Why is love so important? And I think the last of those traits that he gives in First Corinthians chapter four, 13 is what makes it so, so unbelievable and so much more powerful than we give it credit for. We have turned it into this Valentine's Day, cute crush, puppy love kind of emotional thing. But love is the most transformative power on this earth. I believe that with every core of my being. Mm-hmm. If, if we truly develop a love for something or someone, then it affects us to our atomic level. And the last thing Paul says about love in 1 Corinthians 13 is, you know, prophecies are going to cease. You know, tongues are going to go away. All these things have a an expiration date, but love never ends. Yeah. Love never fails. And that's what grips me when I think about why love is so significant in the scriptures is because I can't walk away from that. I can't just turn around and shut that off. True agape, compassionate, sacrificial love is not something that I can just decide one day, uh, I'm not going to do that anymore because that's that's not love. No, no, it's not. And uh, I've I've heard this being done before, and and, and I've mentioned it once to to a class I did. But uh, Josh mentioned in uh, in this chat 
that uh, he goes as a. I like I didn't I, I missed this part when I first read it. He says as a form of discipline, and and this is <laughs> that sounds interesting. As a form of discipline, he says his dad once made him write First Corinthians out, replacing his name in the place of love. I've heard he it being done be. as a challenge, but he right. He must I'm, have been a jerk to somebody, and his I'm dad was like, "I'm kind of curious what he what he did." And Joshua, <laughs> yeah. if if you can, <laughs> you, you you might tell us if it if if you can't tell us that uh, I get that. But that's a hard challenge to do. Uh, it I've is. Heard, I've heard someone saying, "I want you to read with your name in place of love, and stop whenever it's not true, and see how far you get." Well, right. for some of us, like myself. Uh, I don't get past patient. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm done. And, uh, yeah. and, and that, that, that's it's beautiful to me to do that. You know, the first exercise I like to do is put God in place of love because God yeah. is love. And so you read through that and you realize this is how God views uh, this relationship. Then with that understanding, you turn it around and you say, all right, now put my name in there and see how much of that is true. What do I need to work on so that I can be more loving and so that I can be more like God? Definitely. And that's a challenge. Yeah. And my mom chimed in here and she and uh, she said, consider others better than yourself. And in, in that passage. And when I Absolutely. read and when I read that, I can't help but think because I always heard my mom say this. She was always as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with one another. And uh, that echoed in my head all the time because it was always, but you don't understand. Here's what they did. And here's why I did it. And uh, never flew with her for some some reason. Smart lady. Yeah. She said, you know, if I can consider others more important than myself, she goes, I'm a loving person and I can show that to everyone. It's not always easy. And the motivation comes from loving God and wanting to please him. And and I think that's what, you know, my motivation should be wanting to please him, but also wanting to become like Jesus. Right. And, yep. and that's kind of our, our ultimate goal. And, and as we, we wrap up this thought on love, I think that that's kind of helps us draw to a conclusion of love is wanting to please him. Love is wanting to become like him. And that means, like you said, something we first feel, do, and become. God is love. And if we want to be like him, we have to eventually get to the part where <laughs> where we become we become like God. You just read something, didn't you? I did. Rachel. Rachel, oh dear. but you just don't understand. <laughs> you just don't understand. Uh, I, I it's also, good to have friends. I, I echo I hear that echoing in my head now. Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But do you have any closing thoughts before uh we wrap up? Uh, before we close on what we've been discussing, you know, the way that you the way that you talk about, you know, being like God, uh, probably for me, the best study I ever did on love came in Second uh, Peter, chapter one, where, you know, Peter talks in verses five through seven about here are the steps that we need to take to be fruitful in the kingdom and to understand who we are and, and, and become what God wants us to become. And it starts with, you know, faith. And so add to your faith virtue. And it's all these add to, add to, add to, and it builds all the way up. And then the, the top of that food chain, you know, the top of that staircase. And I, I see that as us getting closer and closer to God and being like God, because it says earlier in the, in chapter one, you know, that, that uh, we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness 
So here's how you live your life. Here's how you become. Here's how you become godly. You ascend through these uh, characteristics, and you work on them in your life. And the final one, after brotherly kindness, is love. You know, and I, I see that as a drawing near to God. The closer you get to God, think about all the people in the Old Testament who had encounters with God. You know, Moses at the burning bush and the people at Mount Sinai and and all these other occasions where they are surrounded and engulfed in this presence and it changes them. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and he literally glows. He's radioactive from being so close to God. If I get that close to God in my life, it's going to change me. If I get that close to love and I learn how to 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 possess that kind of love and then turn around and share that kind of love, it will transform me beyond anything I can imagine. Absolutely. Well, Adam, thanks for joining us. And uh, don't log off. Uh, we're just going to end it, and uh, we'll stay on for a little bit. But but I'm excited, and uh, Adam, uh, it's been real fun, And uh, but it is time for us to go. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Thanks for everybody in the ch- in the Facebook live chat for uh, participating. We've had a, a lot of fun. Remember uh, to join on uh, here on Crossways every Thursday at the same time, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. That's our new time. Uh, Crossways, as always, brought to you by Holly Hill, Church of Christ, and Adventures in Ministry. Adventures in Ministry is a great resource. If you guys don't know about it, check it out. we got lots of resources on there, but for the time being, uh, there's the app with lots of songs. And uh, I know some things are, are changing. I've been plugging this in. You've been hearing some stuff. You've been seeing some things change. In about two weeks, uh, we have some big news. And uh, I can't tell you what that is, but uh, it's going to be big. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And remember, until next time, make sure you represent Christ in everything you do. And we can together become more like Him.